Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are we? I'm quite warm. I have to turn off. Well, I have two fans in my room because my room is over the garage. So it's hot in the summer and cold in the winter. Like, (laughs) truly just the best. Um, So I have two fans going in the summer and it's like 95 degrees out and I'm hot. It was like in the 70s all week and it was so nice. And I just can't deal with climate change. Anyway, uh, just so, oh, like a little bit of housekeeping. If you follow me on Twitter, um, you may notice that my Twitter has been permanently suspended (laughs) for the stupidest fucking reason, which I'll get into in a second. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, go to at BentleyLiz2, which is very similar to my old username. That's where I'm tweeting from. I don't think Twitter is going to I haven't heard back from them. I've appealed the suspension and I don't have the energy to like do any more effort than that for my Twitter account, which I really don't care about having to change. I wish I could just get my following list because right now I'm only following like 250 people and I like to be following closer to a thousand because then your timeline is like moving quickly and every time I check there's something new. And so that I would like, but Beyond that, whatever. If I don't get my account back, it's fine. So that's at Bentley Liz 2. Now, why did my uh, Twitter get suspended? <laughs> okay, so uh, I will randomly, occasionally, like pretty regularly post TikToks on my Twitter, like literally everybody else on Twitter does, right? Like Twitter runs on that. And occasionally, I guess, um, the music labels will go through Twitter like they do YouTube and track if you're using copyrighted music. So a couple, maybe in 2020, I don't know, a while ago, I got a notification that my Twitter was suspended. I had to go and delete like a a copyrighted post, which I did. I was really confused because I have that Twitter account connected to one of my burner emails. I don't. I have like a hundred email addresses, uh, mostly created so I can like get free trials on things. But I sometimes like to keep social media accounts on various emails uh, that are all like I'm. I'm really into people not being able to hack my shit. I have a password keeper. I use two factor authentic authentication, I can't say that word right now, on everything. Um, but I like the barrier of having like an, an a separate email account for certain things. And I don't ever really look at it. I mean, I do occasionally. And so I didn't realize that Twitter had emailed me. <laughs> it was like, take this shit down. This is the link to it. Okay, fine. It happened again. Uh, not that long later, maybe like a month later. And I was like, oh, that's annoying. And they're just TikToks, but they have music playing in the background. So UMG Music Group, who are like the supervillains of all of this, get them taken down. Fine, whatever. So the other night I went to tweet something and it was like, your account is suspended. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I went on that email address and I got an email that was like the copyright claim again and then a second email that was like your account is permanently suspended for co- for multiple copyright infringements. Now, the the 
TikTok that did it in is something that I posted on December 5th, 2019. And it is, I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was a video from Coco Arquette's TikTok. Yeah, daughter of David and Courtney. Yes. <laughs> a celeb child's TikTok. Really, it just took me down. I don't have that Twitter account anymore. It's so stupid. Um, I think, I guess because I'm like a repeat offender. I know on YouTube, if you get three copyright strikes, you lose your channel. So I guess it's the same thing on Twitter. But like, I'll just delete it. Like I wrote in the appeal, I was like, I'll just delete the tweet. Like, like just let me delete it. I don't care. And I guess if I do get it back, what I'll have to do is delete all of my old tweets or at least delete every tweet that has a video in it so that it doesn't happen again. Now I'm not going to upload TikToks to my account. It's just frustrating because like literally every viral video on TikTok has copyrighted music in it and like literally every reel on TikTok has co- or reel on Instagram has copyrighted music. So I don't understand what the rules are and like why I they're finding my account. Maybe they found my account once so then it gets put into like their bot or like the program that they use. They recheck the same accounts. I don't fucking know. But RIP to that Twitter account, I guess good news is, is that I can follow a bunch of teen moms that have blocked me, primarily Mackenzie McKee. You guys know I like to follow her on Twitter because she'll just post some wild shit that you can really only catch if you're following her on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, And that's it. Um, So yeah, follow me there. Also, join my Patreon. I love my Patreon. It's so fun to do. It really has been like the best thing that I've ever done maybe honestly like it has the connection that I have with my listeners the like just everything about it I love so much the freedom I have on there which I don't have on this because this is a show about teen mom and yeah I occasionally will do episodes very irregularly about a non-teen mom subject but the fact I love the Patreon that I can like just do anything. I posted a second gymnastics episode about the Olympics. Um, if you're interested in like the Simone Biles of it all, you can go listen to that. This week, I'm pretty sure the episode is going to be on Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. <laughs> I'm going out of town this weekend, uh, just to the short, but I planned the week horribly. So hopefully that's what it's going to be. I still have to record it. Last week, I had Kara on and we talked about Little Wayne's love life. Did you know that Little Wayne was engaged to like five women at one time and then just like cycled through these women and it would be engaged to some of them not engaged engaged for like eight to ten years <laughs> he's a really interesting love life I also did Karen I did one on future a while ago and all of uh, the mothers of his children so I had her back for a little Wayne it was super fun uh, I will be doing a Shaws of Sunset episode coming up. I have to watch some more Shaws. I haven't kept up with Shaws that much. I like I, I'm not really listening to podcasts about Shaws either. So I'm going to have to like dig into the new seasons. I used to really love it. And then it got kind of draining. So it'll probably be an earlier episode that I talk about earlier season. But I do want to like catch up on what's going on now. I think it's just like the same fight. I think MJ and Reza fight. Golnessa gets violent. <laughs> Mike is a dick. Like I, th- I think that's the general theme of the show still. But yeah, join my Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. And if you're not sure about if you want to join the Patreon because you're just not really sure. I mean, I feel like if you listen to Feathers in My Hair, you 
know my style. But if you're just curious, you can go on onto the Patreon page and in the like the description box, I have links to two episodes that are like that you can listen for free. I made two episodes public just so you could like get an example of what the Patreon is like. I'm pretty sure those episodes, one is on Laguna Beach and the other one is on Caroline Calloway. I'm pretty sure those are the two episodes that I have for free and I've linked so you can just get right to them. I definitely suggest doing that if you just want to check it out. I don't know. I like I don't love to spend a lot of time on feathers of my hair plugging the Patreon because I listen to podcasts and I fucking hate when uh, podcasters just like start plugging their shit all of the time. But I just lately I've just been thinking about how much I love the Patreon and how happy I am to be doing it. So I just wanted to talk about it again. Uh, You can find the link in my Instagram bio. Follow me at feathers underscore pod. And yeah, that's it for like business. (laughs) I love the idea of having business. I'm a real girl boss over here. Okay, let's talk about the drama of the week because this can't remember when I recorded, but Kale has COVID. (laughs) Not only does Kale have COVID, V has COVID, and all of Kale's children have COVID. Yep. Shocker. Shocker that Kale, unvaccinated, traveled internationally, and at some point got COVID and then spread it to V. Um, Her and V don't have any, like, major symptoms. Kale says none of the kids are symptomatic, but then she also posted a video of Creed, like, very sick with like labored breathing. So I'm not sure what Kale considers symptomatic. It's so it's so infuriating. <sighs> Look, I know vaccinated people can spread it too. I'm not saying that. I know that like a lot of things are unknown right now with who can spread it, who can get it, what the symptoms are. But like an unvaccinated person just like gallivanting around is really, really infuriating to me. Oh, the other thing is Leah was there with her. And it's like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? All season long, all we hear about is how Leah doesn't want to expose Allie because Allie's immunocompromised, which of course she is. And that makes total sense. So then she goes on vacation with someone who isn't vaccinated. It doesn't make any sense. And Leah posted this like smuggest shit COVID or the smuggest shit Insta story. And she was like, "Uh, no, I don't have COVID. Like I'm filming. I've taken multiple tests. I have no symptoms, which like fine. She doesn't have COVID, but it just was kind of obnoxious. She was acting like people were idiots for wondering if she had it. And it's like, well, everyone Kale came into contact with has it. So it's reasonable to assume that Leah might have it. It's great that she doesn't. Leah's vaccinated. Um, I would, I, that's probably, unless Kale picked it up, like coming back or even once she was back in Delaware, who fucking knows where she got it, right? The Delta spreading like chicken pox. Like who knows? She could have picked it up, like stopping at Wawa on the way home from the airport, as far as we know. But Leah, like, not getting is really lucky. Leah also had um, her Allie's annual appointment about 10 days after they got home. You know, the annual appointment she does in Ohio. And a lot of people I saw online were upset that she was there because she had been exposed to COVID possibly uh, like within two weeks. They were saying that she could definitely still test positive. Personally, I would like to see evidence that a person who is vaccinated, who's tested multiple times, 
and has no symptoms test positive like two full weeks out. Uh, I don't think that Lee is spreading COVID, but I do question why you would go on an international vacation with a vaccinated person less than two weeks out of your annual hospital visit. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I'm kind of surprised she was allowed in the hospital. I mean, I guess she probably just lied. I was in a doctor's office this week and they had a big sign up. Have you traveled in the last 14 days? And Leah had traveled in the last 14 days. So I don't know. If, it, if they say it's fine that she's there, it's fine that she's there. I'm not like going hard against that. I just think it's like questionable decisions from Leah, right? It, things are hard right now. Things are confusing. I get it. Like it's really fucking hard to put the mask back on. I've been wearing it. We're wearing them in the office again. I've been wearing it out at stores for the most part. Um, and it's really fucking hard and it's really hard to like step back and think that the progress that we made isn't real and I get that and I get that for Leah wanting to be able to take a trip but maybe wait until like after the appointment to go (laughs) or maybe just like don't go on that trip like it's okay you can go on another trip at another time I don't know I just it it's just irresponsible is my opinion like if you have to go to a children's hospital where there are very sick children like just don't travel 14 days before you know what I mean like don't go on vacation (laughs) obviously shit happens some people have to travel like I said I really don't think Leah is spreading COVID I don't think Leah is COVID positive but it still is cutting it close here's the other thing I'm talking about this now because there is a positive COVID case I don't have the energy to COVID police people this time around. I last year would get real enraged when I saw people being fucking stupid and reckless, real enraged. I don't have it in me anymore. Um, If the team mom cast wants to fuck around, I mean, it's not good, but this podcast is not me going to be doing like a rundown of every person who's out without a mask on or every person who isn't vaccinated. Like, I'm not I I physically don't have the energy for that physically or emotionally. I just saw a TikTok that was like I'm living in the moment because I actually cannot cope with thinking about the future right now. <laughs> and I deeply agree with that. I I just can't do it. So I'm not going to. And I hope that you guys understand, but unless somebody like has a COVID case, like this is not going to be a podcast where I'm like policing what people are doing. I don't know. I don't want to say policing. I don't think that's the right word, but I'm not going to be doing weekly roundups of like who's following lockdown and who isn't. I mean, we're not in lockdown. We probably should be, but we're not. Um, But I hope everybody understands what I'm saying there. Oh, also Ashley has COVID apparently. So (laughs) that shit's going around, guys. I just hope that everybody has listened to my CDC ad, which by the way, like what dream spawn? (laughs) Like, I brag about that one to people. I'm like, I'm actually sponsored by the CDC to do vaccine spawn con. Like, that is the ultimate. I've always said that Audible was my ultimate dream sponsorship because I fucking rock without Audible. As you guys know, I love audiobooks. I listen to a lot of them. Um, and I buy a lot of them because I need instant gratification because of my impulsiveness that comes along with having a uh, pretty severe attention deficit disorder. <laughs> 
So uh, like Libby and Overdrive, I try them. But if I can't get my hands on the thing that I need at that exact moment, um, I have to go to Audible. It's just it's not good. It's it's not. But it just is what it is. So I would love an Audible sponsorship or honestly Stamps.com because I use Stamps.com at work. And I actually think Stamps.com is like the best. I mean, I'm sure there are now since that was invented. There are other like online postal postal services. But like as far as office work goes, love Stamps.com. But CDC like has trumped everything. I am thrilled. So everyone get a vaccine, please, so that we can live lives again. I think that's it for the the Teen Mom news this week. Also, Kay, uh, Creed and Lux had birthdays. Creed turned one and Lux turned four. They were supposed to have a birthday party, which <laughs> obviously they did not have. Well, I shouldn't say obviously because Kale is like a typhoid Mary. <laughs> Oh my god, but she canceled the party. And that's kind of it, I think, as far as Teen Mom news, if something comes to me. Oh, apparently Kate's like an early labor. Remember Kate's pre- Excuse me. Remember Kate's pregnant? <laughs> I forget about that all the time. I am really excited to see what they name that baby. Remember they're calling the baby Baby Z? I guess they've changed that or calling it Baby R. I personally think they're kind of trolling. Like, I don't, I don't know. I really hope they name that baby Zelda. <laughs> like, that's what I want that baby to be named. I think it's such a pretty name. I think it would fit perfectly with her sisters. So, yeah, I guess that baby's going to come soon. Oh, and oh, my God, I forgot to, Team Mom Young and Pregnant is coming back. I guess I would have talked about it at the end of my reunion recap but it's coming back in September with Teen Mom OG and it's like okay keep the Teen Mom OG just give us Teen Mom Young and Pregnant (laughs) but I am fucking thrilled even though it means I'll have to take notes on two episodes a week which is tough but well I don't know we'll see I'm starting an internship shortly and so we'll see like what my life I don't think it should make too much of a difference in my life but we'll see I'm not sure I'm not sure like how much time I have to dedicate to that like because I have to take a class with it so I don't really know what it's going to look like but hopefully I'll be able to recap T-Mom OG and T-Mom Young and Pregnant every week. I am super hyped. We saw a clip of Kayla and Stefan's mom physically fighting like (laughs) could I ask for anything more than Stefan's mom trying to punch Kayla? No of course I couldn't. (laughs) That's all I want. <laughs> all I want is to see these women fight with their baby father's mothers. <laughs> Remember when that happened with Kaya? I love that shit. I love it. Um, There's a new girl. I believe it was the girl that lived in the tiny, that her dad built her that tiny house. I think that's her. I remember everybody really liked her. And then it came out that she was like super anti-vax and stuff. But I'm like, yeah are you guys you guys are surprised by that I think sometimes we need to have reasonable expectations for the people on television and that was kind of my expectation there um but so yeah she's gonna be on the show I'm really truly excited the only thing that sucks is that I think they filmed this season like quite a while ago Kayla's in winter-ish clothes when like she looks like she's in fall clothes because she lives in 
the Midwest. I think she lives in Illinois. So it gets cold there in the winter and she's not like in a heavy coat, but she's definitely in like a, like a, a, shep- a shepherd, <laughs> like a, a jean jacket with wool in it. What are those called? I don't know. But so I guess this was filmed quite a while ago, but I am glad that it's coming back. Team Amoji, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess we're doing it again. I swear to God, every year for the last like eight years, I've been like, I think Teen Mom's going to get canceled. Like, I don't I don't see how they could do another season. And yet here we are about to start another season of Teen Mom OG. I will say, was I going to say this season of Teen Mom 2 has been good? No, because that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I don't know why I was about to say that. It's about to be like, I will say this season was pretty good. No, that's that's not accurate. Um, no. An OG I don't have high hopes for because I don't think anything's really going on in Amber's life. I guess we're going to have to hope for Mackenzie McKee to like really go off the wall. I haven't been super checking in on her lately, but I haven't noticed Josh around recently. But like I said, I haven't been keeping close tabs on her. So we'll see. Hopefully there's some good drama there. Okay, let's take a little break and then we will recap this reunion. Well, the reunions happened. You guys know how I feel about reunions. I just think they're unnecessary for Teen Mom nothing happens at them that's worth them existing, I guess. Like occasionally we'll get some fun fights, whatever, but I don't think Teen Mom lends itself well to the format of the reunion, especially the fact that the girls won't get on stage with each other. I think it's because I I think the issue with the reunions when it comes to Teen Mom is that one, for the most part, like the the main characters that we follow, right, the five moms, don't interact with one another. They all have their own lives. So bringing them together is not that exciting. And then the people that they are like having their reunion segments with, they're just having the same fight that they had throughout the season or saying the same nice things that they've said throughout the season, as opposed to like a real housewives reunion where they like get in there and like fight it out and talk about the production and like talk about all the things that happened and expand on the fights and call each other out. That's why those work because they're fighting against one another in a way that's compelling. And even a teen, a a Bravo Real Housewives reunion can run a little long for me sometimes. But for the most part, it's entertaining because the cast is fighting. And I just like don't care to watch Leah talk to Corey and the girls. Like, but we get that all season. It I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me. They've never made sense to me. I think we could do without them. The fact that they make them two episodes is fucking wild. But here we are, and I'll talk about them. There was, I guess, some interesting moments that are worth talking about, I guess. <laughs> all right. I'm just going to go through instead of going mom by mom. I'm going to go through. Wow, I took six pages of notes. That's interesting. I'm going to go through just like the episodes in chronological order, what happened. So just Kill and Leah come out to start the show. And Dr. Drew lets us know that it's been 10 years of Teen Mom 2, which is crazy. That means I've wasted 12-ish years of my life on this shit. When did... 
when did 16 and pregnant come out like that's that's a sad that's a sad fact for me personally for you too maybe <laughs> but we're on this shit to the wheels come off right <laughs> they like talk about what it's like to be on the show blah 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 then Larry the producer comes out and gives them cookies and like an a charm bracelet not a charm bracelet what are those bracelets called like the Ani bracelets you know I'm talking it's essentially a charm bracelet speaking of charm necklaces my grandma died not that long ago and one of the things pieces I got a beautiful amethyst ring that I fucking love I'm so excited I just have to get a resize it's incredible it's like the best piece of jewelry I've ever owned but I also got like this fucking insane chain necklace that is or chain charm necklace that is the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life <laughs> it's so ugly and I love it that's kind of why I wanted it well I figured I you know gold you can always melt gold down Gold's easiest to like get rid of as far as jewelry, but I don't I don't plan to do that. But it's just like a crazy ugly necklace that has the weirdest charms on it. Like my grandma fucking hated dogs and there's a dog charm on it. I don't know. <laughs> charm necklaces are wild, very out of style, but I'll be wearing it. I picture myself at like 80 uh, living in Miami wearing like two-piece stretch outfits wearing that charm necklace I can't wait till I'm like an old Jewish woman that's gonna be me in my full form like I think about like the terribly tacky apartment I'll live in in Miami you know a nice little two-bedroom just shuffling around <laughs> can't wait okay where were we oh yeah so they got their bracelets blah 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 who cares and then Oh, I did notice everybody's sitting far apart, I guess, for COVID reasons, which I don't know. It feels a little silly. Like you're in the same room. You're all backstage with each other. It feels a little performative to have them sitting like three feet apart. I don't really get the point of it. Like, I don't think it's doing anything, I guess. Um, they talk about bad moments, whatever. So then it is Leah. Uh, well, they talk about how neither of them date. And Leah's like, do your boys want you to date? And Kale's like, no. And she's like, my girls want me to get a boyfriend. I'm like, that's because your children are too involved in your life. <laughs> like, Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that Kale's boys are not as up in her love life as Leah's girls are. Because you don't have boundaries, Lee. Okay, so... We start with, well, they bring Ashley out. They have a dumb video call with her, but we start with Kale's segment. And she starts with talking about how she can't get along with the dads at once, blah, blah, blah. I'm really sick of that line. Like, I, I want her to stop saying it because it's not real. Like, it's not a fact that you have to be fighting with one of your baby's fathers. The way she says it is like, well, you know, if things are good with Javi and Joe, they have to be bad with Chris. If things are good with Chris and Joe, they have to be bad with Javi. And it's like, that's you. That's a problem that you have created. I don't, I don't quite know like why she really thinks that I don't know I feel like she acts like this is inevitable and it's like a thing that the universe is doing to her and that she doesn't truly have a part in it and like it's acceptable that this is always happening and it, it doesn't need to be happening right like she doesn't need to be fighting with any of them but she does because she's addicted to chaos 
she does say like sometimes it's me blah 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 um they're talking about accountability for co-parenting mistakes because kale has now been in therapy at this point for 18 months she's always like so specific with how long she's been in therapy remember we talked about it uh two weeks ago when she was saying she had been in therapy for 20 months which i felt was like a very weird marker of time i don't know kale as i always say it's frustrating to watch kale because like i do think she is getting self-awareness in therapy i think she just doesn't care to act on any of it she says that therapy has really helped her take accountability for co-parenting mistakes which i guess is good she also had an interesting point i don't know if point's the right word but she explained that something that her therapist really helps her with is seeing other people's perspectives. She's like, even if I'm in the right, my therapist has a good way of like talking me through why Javi or Joe would feel the way that they do and act the way they act. And I was like, oh, that's that's really good. Like, that's really important because I think that Kale has a really hard time with that. I don't think Kale's a very empathetic person which I think is like an adult child of an alcoholic thing. I think that she just like never was really able to develop a lot of empathy because of her situation. I think some children of alcoholics like develop too much empathy. Hi, me, too much empathy that it like ruined my life for a long time. I, that's how I fucking hate when people call themselves uh, empaths, but I am just like a person with a lot of emotion. I'm good at like understanding other people's emotions, hence the format of this podcast that I do. But I think that a lot of times children in chaotic situations either develop like hypersensitive feelings or like get really hard and rigid. And I'm a hypersensitive person. I'm not anymore. Thank God. I But like I used to be. My emotions were really wild. Um, I mean, it's like a result of CPTSD, which I think Hill has maybe she hasn't I was gonna say I thought Kale talked about that but I don't know I think Kale's like defense mechanism was just to get really hard and so she like never really developed empathy and there was no real parent in her life to like catch that um I I think that you have to teach children empathy I think some kids are like naturally more empathetic but I do think that it's like really important for you to teach empathy to your children and I think a really important part of that is like having your kids understand perspectives other than their own. I was just talking about this recently with someone who their significant other like has a really hard time seeing other people's perceptions and like this person is a nice person. They're very smart. Like it's not that they're a bad person, but they lack empathy because they were very spoiled as a child and their mother just like let them barrel through life without considering anybody else's feelings and so now as an adult they're having to learn how to like slow down and look at other people's point of views and I think that's what's going on with Kale is that she has a really hard time seeing how anybody else is feeling because she just cannot like view the world except through her own tunnel vision eyes and I think that's really harmful to her I think it's part of the reason that she is so quick to anger it's part of the reason that she's so cruel when she's angry and violent when she's angry and I I think her having a therapist that is able to explain like maybe Javi acted this way because of this and Kill can listen to that and take it in and process what it means to look at someone else's point of view I do think that's quite valuable and beneficial. 
Um, I was glad to hear that. I know a lot of people are like, Kale's not doing anything in therapy. She needs to get a new therapist, but I'm not really on board with that. I personally think that Kale's only been in therapy for 18 months. I think 18 months is a very short amount of time for some people to be in talk therapy. I also think that talk therapy isn't necessarily that effective for a person like Kale. I think she needs some like intense trauma therapy and DBT, as I talked about a million times on here. I think talk therapy is good in some ways, but I, I think Kale needs some more action. But if she is learning how to look at other people's point of views, like, yeah, she still has a bunch of other problems that she needs to get help for. But I do think that's a valuable skill. And I am glad to hear her say that. Um, the therapist can only do as much as Kale gives her. And also, like, a talk therapist can only do so much. Like, talk... <laughs> I hope you guys get what I'm saying. Like, it's not like devaluing therapists. I think it's so beneficial and it's so beneficial for somebody, for a lot of people to just have someone to talk to that like validates them and listens to them and is a neutral third party. But I think that when you have some uh, serious issues, (laughs) like really serious issues, you usually need like a more deep type of, like a more action-based therapy, I guess. It's why CBT is popular, blah, blah, blah. But I'm glad to hear that Kale's at least getting a little bit of perspective. I hope that she's able to amp up the empathy and she's able to learn that. We'll see, you know. Okay, so we find out that Chris and Kale have court-ordered therapy. I don't know if that's together or what, but that's good. She says they haven't started yet. It's like, okay. And that their custody order set for two years because they went in front of a judge. It wasn't like arbitration and a mediator. Is arbitration and a mediator the same thing? Arbitrating is legally binding and mediating isn't. I took a class on mediation in college and the professor actually said that I should like take it. He was like, you should make this your minor and like think about doing this as a job. And I was like a drug addict and was like, mm, I don't really think I want to add this as my minor, which was stupid. Um But I don't really know the difference between these two things. But they went in front of a judge because they couldn't have like an agreement between them. And so they can't go back in front of a judge for two years, which I think is good. (laughs) I think it's really good. Uh, She says that she thinks all of the boys have the best custody schedule possible for them, which is good. And it's nice to hear that all of the boys are in the house at the same time. I think that's great. Like, I think that's really great that they spend so much time with their siblings. Okay, so they talk about Kale, her PCOS and the weight. And I just, uh, I did like what Kale said. She's like, people tell me I'm fat, but like, I know I look in the mirror. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel when people use like fat as an insult. To me, it's like, yeah, I know. Like, I have eyes. I can see what I look like. I can see what my clothing size is. I'm aware of it. You saying that is a fact, actually not an insult. But Kale, once again, I just, I would like to see the receipts of Kale um, actually trying to lose weight versus saying she's trying to lose weight. Look, diet culture is bullshit. Nobody ever really leaves, loses weight and keeps it off. I, so I'm not like slamming Kate. Kate, am I calling her Kate? I think I am. I'm not slamming Kale for this, but 
I just don't love the PCOS storyline as being attributed to Kale's weight loss and inability to lose weight. I think it'd be a lot more beneficial to talk about bullshit diet culture, beauty standards, body positivity, and what it means to actually be on a diet and the wellness industry and all of that shit. I need to, there's a podcast called Maintenance Phase. Main, uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's by the male hosts of You're Wrong About and everybody keeps saying that it's really good and this that's what it's about, diet culture. So it's on my list. It's on my list. Oh, by the way, just a little recommendation. I started listening to the ACCast this week, which is a podcast by a woman who has done a bunch of other uh, popular podcasts that I haven't totally dug into, but this one is about the Kathy comic strip. And if you are a comic fan, I definitely suggest listening to it. It's super interesting. I don't, I'm not a, like a comic book fan, but like I loved comics in the paper as a kid. And I loved like Archie, like Betty and Veronica. I loved that type of comics like the funnies, I guess you will. I read Kathy every day for, I don't know, my whole life. Like as soon as I could start to read, we were like, we had the newspaper delivered to our house every day. So every day I would read the comics and I really liked Kathy. And so it's really interesting to listen to how this woman by herself ran a comic strip every day, basically for 40 years. (laughs) 40 years, 30 years, I don't remember exactly, from like the 70s to 2010. So that was really, it's really interesting. It's talking about feminism and diet culture and all of that stuff. And I definitely recommend it. Okay, it's ACCast. But I'm sure if you like Googled Kathy podcast, the name will come up. Okay, so they bring Devoin out and they're like, so why did you have Devoin on your podcast? I'm like, this is going to be a segment like this is why this reunion is fucking stupid. There's nothing that the two of them could say that was not already said on the episode that we watched of them recording the podcast. (laughs) It makes no sense. Kale was like, well, I didn't love what we were seeing on the show. And then she says something interesting, like, that she gets why Brie doesn't want Devoin to be able to tell his story because she doesn't want her baby dads to be able to tell their story. I was like, oh, I I appreciated that insight from Kale. I <laughs> I appreciated that. Uh, Kale didn't come right out and bash MTV, but I don't know why she wasn't like, well, because Devoin didn't get being Devoin special. So I wanted him to do this. But I guess she's on good behavior at the reunions for whatever reason. Apparently, Devoin went from 25,000 followers on Instagram to 75,000 followers or something like that, uh, right from her podcast, which I found interesting. I wonder if that's true. I mean, I would assume that's probably the first time like a lot of people heard him plug his podcast or his Instagram and they're like, oh, I should go follow him. But if that's true, Kale's getting a lot of downloads. (laughs) Because you have to figure the large majority of people who listen do not actually make their way to Instagram to sign to like follow someone. So that means Kale gets a shit ton of downloads and she's making a lot of money on that podcast, which I mean, I get like, I guess she says she makes more on the podcast than on Teen Mom, right? Is that what she said that episode? Who knows? Who knows? 
they talk about um, Bree and Kale's relationship and Kale's basically like, it's water under the bridge, but I just don't, she's like, I'm not mad at her, but I don't want to communicate with her. And Drew was like, okay, well, what about like if she just came out on the couch and was civil? And Kale was like, no, that's my boundary. Drew, <laughs> Drew, <laughs> I actually, I laugh, I like actually LOL'd at this that Drew goes, he goes, boundaries, yeah, but why can't you be for like civil and professional? <laughs> exactly. I like hate when people use boundaries in this way. I think it's a really inappropriate way of using boundaries. I don't know. Maybe people disagree with me, but I think it's kind of ridiculous to be like, my boundary is that I won't film with Brie. I don't know. I guess it's not. I guess her, like she agrees to go to the reunions, but her boundary is that she's not going to film with Brie. But it just, it's just like, just be professional, be civil. I, I think Brie could be civil with Kale. Well, <laughs> I forgot about the lawsuit until literally this second. I was about to be like, I think they could be friends. I'm such a fucking idiot. Oh, my God. How dare Kale get up there and say that it's water under the bridge? When was this reunion filmed? Was this filmed after Brie's tirade? Not tirade, but like all of the shit that went down that inspired the lawsuit. So, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Okay, so did anybody else notice? I don't know if I was hearing things, but I swear to God, during that segment, somebody had like a piece of jewelry on that the mic picked up and I could hear it loudly. I don't know if I was like hearing something in my space, but I swear that was going on. So if you heard that, please let me know. And if not, I was hearing something and attributing it to the show. Okay, so Kale leaves and Brie and Jade come out. Brie talks about, well, Jade talks about the fact that she isn't sure what she would have done if Brie didn't show up. Brie was like, I really didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't think I'd be walking into something that bad. And she said that she thought Jade was going to die. And they talk about the fact that uh, Jade was just blue, like her face was blue, her lips were blue, her hands were blue. Here's my thing. I don't know shit about medicine or anything having to do with medicine. I mean, I know about drugs <laughs> and taking drugs, but I don't actually know about medicine. My question is, why, if you're blue, it means your blood is not circulating right, correct? Am I correct in understanding that? So what would have having the pain pills changed Is it because she was like so worked up and panicking that like her body was going into overdrive and pain and anxiety? Is that what she's saying? I don't I just don't really understand why that would make you know what I mean? Like if if you're blue, I feel like something's going on besides the fact that you don't have Percocet. I I just I don't really get it. I really don't get it. They talk about the fact that Brie and Charlie gave Jade her first shower and this was discussing I hate gross things so I'm not going to get into detail but I guess she was like draining blood out of her drains in her body and Sean came in and he saw the blood she thought she was dying Ugh. Uh, 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 uh. I will say Jade looked good I don't think she looked good enough that it was worth what she went through I <laughs> it was so bad I don't see how that 
was worth it. Like she looks good, but what she went through, I don't think anything was worth that. She's really lucky that she's okay. So they bring Jade, excuse me. So Brie says that all of Jade's relationships are chaotic. They talk about the fact that she went six to eight hours with pain, without pain meds. And that's really it for the two of them. And they bring Brie out. They have Brie just talk and they talk about Brie's latest plastic surgery. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this season Brie got a boob job. (laughs) It was like so insignificant and They do talk about the fact that she has a lot of, they don't say it directly, but basically they acknowledge the fact that Brie has like body dysmorphia and is using plastic surgery to try to fix it and it's not working. She's like, no, my, she's like, the insides of me are fucked up, basically. She's like, even fixing the outside is not doing anything to fix my insides, which was good that she acknowledged that. So they start talking about Javi, her new boyfriend. Andrew was like, well, has he proposed? And she's like, no, but she kind of starts to tear up and basically is like, we've talked about the future and I'm just so happy. She does seem happy, right? Like she's not a very emotive person. So like the, except for anger, but even that, I feel like she doesn't get angry that often, all things considered. And well, because her mom and her sister fight for her. And the fact that she was like crying, she was like, she seems really into him. Not she did not act that way. But John, remember John? Like she (laughs) I get like I would have to rewatch those episodes, but I do not remember her acting that way. So I hope she is as happy as she seemed there. Aren't they engaged? Did that like... Was that a figment of my imagination? Did that happen? Like it did, but I I don't know what's going on with her. Then they talk about Lewis and Brie is still really upset. Well, not upset. Her happiness tears like kind of shift to sadness. And Brie talks about the fact that she's just so sad for Stella. And Drew makes a really good point. Drew had a decent reunion. I'll give Dr. Drew like a C plus on this reunion. Usually he's closer to a C minus or D, but I think he was like a C plus B minus on this reunion. I think having Nessa there like makes it a little easier for him, I guess. But Bree or excuse me, Dr. Drew does say something really important, which was you need to be careful that you're not projecting your sadness for Stella onto Stella. And I think that's really true and such a good point. Like Bree is so upset about Stella's relationship with Lewis and I think that she is like assuming that Stella will feel how she feels and that's not really fair to Stella like Stella gets to develop her own feelings about it and Brie said actually her mom tells her that all the time because I mean Roxanne is really astute like Roxanne Roxanne is wild (laughs) but she often does have good reads on situations um, then they bring up Devoin and Bree says that Devoin will spend $500 on jeans, but he doesn't support Nova. And Dr. Drew's like, I think Devoin will step up. I think he will. The way that Dr. Drew like is convinced that 
every loser guy on this show is like just one day away from being father of the year is infuriating and look Devoin is doing better like I'm not saying that he's not he is of course he is we all know he is but Drew constantly being like no I I think he'll be good I think he really likes Devoin personally I think Devoin is like a very easy to get along with person he has that like really mellow and chill thing about him that I think he has like a good vibe that he radiates and we'll get into a little more but I think they just like him a lot (laughs) so they're like well I mean we're rooting for him because we like him and then Devoin comes out and they watch her segment Bree's crying and she says there's actually a genuinely nice moment in which Bree says thank you so much for treating Stella the way you do and loving Stella the way you do and she says you know, she loves you so much. And as long as you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. And Devoin is like, yeah, I mean, that's normal to me. So as long as you're okay with it and Lewis is okay with it. And Bree's like, fuck Lewis. <laughs> He's like, well, I don't want to say that. But like, yeah, I'm I'm really fine. Then Bree says something weird, <laughs> honestly, like bizarre. She goes, Stella's going to mend my relationship with Devoin. I think she will be the person to bring us closer together. That's why she's here. Girl, what? No. (laughs) Don't put that on Stella. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? No, no, that's not true. Don't say that. That's not true. (laughs) Don't make Stella that person. That's not fair to her. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? They talk about the fact that Devoin is serving tables again, and he said he's okay with her asking for money. He's been paying her $250 a month, which, like, whoop-de-doo. This is when, unfortunately, things turn. I think the talk of money always flips Brie out. I think that, I think what happens is that Devoin wants credit for how well he's doing compared to how he used to do. And Brie wants him to be a person that he's not. And like those two things clash against each other really hard. So she starts going on about how, you know, he needs to pay Nova's bills. And he's like, I've been helping her. Brie's like, see, he gets so defensive. I think her and Brittany both were saying that Devon gets offensive. (laughs) But what they're trying to say is that he gets super defensive anytime money comes up. And uh, Devoin says something like, you know, I've been taking shit for a long time. You've been wearing Louis Vuitton. You've been doing that. And Bree's like, yeah, because I can afford to. I can afford to do it. My bills are fucking paid in advance. I've never been late on a bill, so I can afford to wear these Christian Louis Vuitton shoes. And I was like, points were made. Do I think Bree has a substantial savings? No. Do I believe that Brie pays her bills on time? Yes, I I do. She bought that house in cash. I think that Brie cares a lot about making sure that the bills are paid. I I believe that. I would be pretty surprised to hear that like Brie is falling behind on paying shit. I think Roxanne stays on that for her. Like I I just think 
I believe her when she says that. And she's right. Like, if her bills are paid, she can wear $700 shoes. The issue is that Devoin pays $250 a month for his daughter, but will buy $500 pair of jeans, which would bother me. Now, is all of the stuff that Devoin is buying real? As somebody that's into fake bags <laughs> and into high quality reps, you guys should all go check out Rep Ladies on Reddit to see, like, the insane reps that these women get. I mean, these women pay so much money for fakes, but they are one for one authentics or one for one reps. So they look exactly the same. Like it is literally impossible to tell the difference. That's why I will never, ever buy a used designer bag unless that shit's coming from the store and into my hands. I would never buy that. There is no way that anybody can authenticate bags for sure. I think that you can tell if a bag is fake but you cannot tell for sure if a bag is real. These reps are too good. A lot of these women are people that used to like get a lot of designer bags and then found the rep world and like could not justify buying bags anymore. And they'll post the authentic with the rep and they look fucking identical. Um, so maybe Devoin is doing that. Maybe Bree's doing that. Remember when it came out that Taylor Armstrong, all of her bags were fakes? <laughs> I think Ramona has been accused of it. Ramona Singer, like, I don't know. I I get why Brie is mad. I get it. Um, Devoin says something. He's like, it's not because you're nine to five that you can that you can afford that shit. And I was like, I don't know why he brought that up. I don't I I guess it's because his point is that he never got a lot of money for Teen Mom. And now he's finally making like decent Teen Mom money would be my guess is what he means by that. And Brie is like, yeah, but I had years without MTV. Like, I think he basically is implying like you get all this money for doing very little. So like shut the fuck up and don't judge me and my money because it's harder for me to make money, which to an extent I can understand. But I think that... Bree's point is like I lived without the MTV money for a while like and where the fuck were you so I like I do have a leg to stand on here and I agree um then Devoin says I can go drop a bag on Nova right now and Bree's like but you don't and this is when they start like really really fighting Devoin is talking and Bree's going shut up shut up shut up over him and Basically, Bree's like, you do the bare minimum. And Devoin's like, take me to court. So take me to court and put me on child support. And she's like, you pop bottles in the club. He's like, I don't go to the club. And Bree's like, you're a fucking liar. And this is when Devoin is like, okay, I'm out of here. Um, Bree's like, you know, I've been kind not to put you on child support. And Drew's like, okay, so do it. He's telling you that you should. You have him on tape saying that you should put him on child support. As I've said a million times, I don't think she will. And I think everybody thinks it's because of visitation. Um, I kind of think that she just like wants to be able to have this drama and fighting and being a victim because she does let Devoin see Nova. Yeah, it's like on her control. I don't know. I don't think that's the real reason. I mean, I guess it is. I, I think honestly, I think she just likes to be able to complain about it. At, by this point, I think that's what she likes to do. They need to go to court. And also, like, not for nothing, like, Devoin can go to court, too. If he petitions, I don't think he's even legally Nova's father. 
because she said something about establishing paternity. And then I'm remembering in my little head, in this little pea brain of mine, by the way, my memory has gotten really fucking bad in like the last six months and I'm genuinely kind of worried about it. Wondering if all the nitrous balloons that I inhaled throughout my youth have finally caught up with me. But I remember my pea brain that he's not on the birth certificate and they never established paternity. Devoin, get your ass to court, <laughs> file a petition of paternity, get visitation. So it's the same thing. I think they both like this drama and I think they're both like a little lazy and would just rather fight than like actually go through the process of going to court. And Devoin doesn't want to be on child support. You know, he can say all day, like, take me to court, but he doesn't want to be on that shit. He is lucky if he's only getting two, if he's only paying $250 a month and not responsible for anything else. Because if they go to court, a judge could order him to pay for all of her extracurriculars. Well, probably wouldn't because she's like in such expensive gymnastics, but maybe he would order her, order him to get her health insurance. Like there's going to be stipulations if they go to court, but they obviously should. Okay, so Devoin is like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm over it. He is like, he's like, Dr. Drew, it was great to see you. Nessa, it was lovely. And then he just like leaves. And that's why I think Drew and Nessa as well really like him because I think he's like funny and easy to get along with. Like I was laughing at that. Um, He walks past Brittany and she's like, Devoin, like just calm down. It's not that big of a deal. And then they go back on stage and this weird, (laughs) it's so confusing. It's so confusing. Drew goes, you know, despite all of this, you're lucky to have him. And Brie goes, of course, I love him. He loves the girls. Me and him just clash and can't get over it. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? (laughs) After she was yelling, shut up, shut up, shut up, accusing him of being a liar, accusing him of not supporting his daughter, she then goes, well, yeah, of course I love him. I t- like you guys I have always said that they treat Devon like a bum cousin and this is what I mean by it and that's why I can't stand it when people say that Bree just doesn't like Devoin's girlfriend and that she's jealous and that's why she treats Devoin that way and I'm like I really don't think so I think she genuinely has familial familiar uh, family style love for him I think she loves him the way that we love our cousins or like a longtime family friend. And I do think she I think in her in her rational side of her head, she does want them to get along. But I think that her way of like acting out is fighting with him, which is stupid. And she should fix that because she's getting a little old for it. Okay, so Brittany comes out and Roxanne joins on video chat. Have you guys noticed Roxanne's new glasses? I love those. Like the super thick frames. They look really good on her. Um, Drew is like, Brittany, don't you feel bad for Devoin? He's so he's done so much good. <laughs> I'm so in, I I'm sorry, I just cannot stand it when Dr. Drew does that shit. And Bert's like, no, I don't feel bad for him. She's like, I don't feel bad for anybody, which I thought was a good clarification. She's like, look, I feel him at times, but I also think like his delivery on this stage needs to be different. Roxanne says she loves Devoin, but there is room for growth. You know, Britt says like the way he treats Stella shows he has a good heart. And she's like, look, I know my sister. I know my sister comes across as rude. I live with her. I know she can be rude, 
but like she doesn't mean to and then Devoin gets super defensive right away and then they just like go at each other which I think is true I think that's a good understanding of their relationship I think Bree is a very bad communicator I think she's super passive aggressive and I think her go-to is just like being rude and then Devoin right away goes into like attack mode and then that escalates so then Bree's escalated and I'm not like blame blaming Devoin for that like Bree starts to be rude to him and so he is rude back and then it gets into this fight and that's not like both of them are in the wrong for the way that they speak with one another. And Drew's like, well, it's complicated. And Brittany goes, I know I'm in therapy talking about it. <laughs> and he goes, oh, Brie should go. And Brie goes, I am going to therapy. <laughs> I love to hear this. Britt said that they all started therapy when the pandemic started. <laughs> she said, we can't go out like this. We can't die like this. I thought that was so funny. I love Brittany. I'm really glad to hear that they're in therapy. And they both like they're both happy with it and that they're reflecting and learning and growing. And I think, I think Brie and Devoin would benefit from therapy together. I really do believe that the two of them can get along. I think if they went to court and they got a schedule and they got child support set up and they couldn't fight about those things anymore. I Look, I know that you can still fight about those things, even if court is involved but that those things would be harder to fight about because they'd be established by the court I think that in therapy they could work on their communication styles and get along better or pretty well I think that when they're not fighting they get on pretty well and Devoin can be around and everything is fine and I I hope that one day they can take that further and they can just be like friends and if not friends like civil above civil below friends whatever that is you know what I like they don't need to have an active friendship but I hope they can interact with one another positively which I, I don't I don't mean just like a civil like hi how are you and they don't fight like I I hope that they can have a more positive relationship in the future and I, I really do think they can I think if Devoin can stay consistent they can do that. I also think this show is terrible for them. <laughs> I think it's really bad. And having like social media fame is really bad for their relationship. So Brittany and Roxanne say that they like Javi and Javi comes out and they do this little segment where um, Brittany like gets cue cards and like runs down like, what do you like about my sister? Whatever. <laughs> it was cute. It was fine. Uh, Brie is giddy. She's laughing. She she seems really happy. She does. Okay, let's get to Leah. Leah comes out. Um, I have nothing to talk about with this. She did say something funny. She was talking about Allie and like the progress they've made in muscular dystrophy and how they're close to a cure, which is amazing. That's great. And Leah goes, "Don't tell me science isn't real because that's my daughter's livelihood." I know I'm a fucking idiot and I say things wrong all the time. So I do say this in love, but it's just funny. Livelihood is not what that means, Leah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, then we find out that Leah was subpoenaed to testify in a case about an overprescribing doctor, which I found interesting. She's like, well, you know, that's why I got addicted. I'm still not totally on that train, guys. I think that Leah was strongly abusing drugs and then got a bunch of drugs after the, the C-section. And that's when it like spiraled. But I personally think the drugs started way earlier than that. And I'll think that till the day I die. I just do. 
I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but Dr. Drew started saying mature instead of mature. I don't know why he was saying it that way, but we get a video chat of Corey and all three girls and they they do ask Aaliyah if she wants to be called Aaliyah and she says yes and she clarifies that she doesn't like going out and hearing like, oh, you're Gracie from Teen Mom. And I get that, but I'm like, I think you're going to be Aaliyah from Teen Mom then. I think the issue is that your mom has you on a television show and you're famous. <laughs> I don't think it's the name necessarily, but it's fine. Aaliyah is her first name. Why shouldn't she go by it? Gracie is just like a family nickname. If she wants to go by Aaliyah, cool with that. And that's really it. I don't have anything else to talk about with that. So let's move on to Jade because that's the fun. That's the fun part. So Jade comes out and right away Drew's kind of like, well, will you sit on stage with Christy? And she's like, I don't think so. I don't think that's good. I don't think it's a good idea. She's like, I've only seen her once or twice. Then we get flashes to Christy in the back being like, I only saw her once and she wouldn't talk to me. It's like, okay, well, you you seem to be kind of proving her point right now, Christy. (laughs) You're being really dramatic. No wonder Jay doesn't want to like have you come out here. So they talk about the Miami thing. Jade was like, I just thought my mom disappeared. And like she said, she thought her mom was going to leave her there to die, which is a devastating statement to make. You know, she's like, it's been heart wrenching. She's like, I just want I miss my mom so much. I love her and I want to talk to her. But like, I can't talk with her when she's being like this. Jade was Jade had a good reunion. I just want to say that. I think Jade had a really good reunion. I think she's been in therapy, too, with the way that I think she actually said it. But it's obvious that she's been in therapy with the way that she's talking about her mom She had really good perspective. And honestly, I'm really proud of her that she hadn't talked to her mom since Miami. I was actually surprised to hear that. And I really hope that it stays that way. I thought that was like a pretty significant information, like a pretty significant change for Jade, because I think she always just lets her mom walk all over her and do whatever and then stops talking to her for a couple days and then lets her back in her life. So I hope that this is a real change. So Sean comes out with flowers I guess her and Sean are back together. Oh, yeah, they are in therapy because Jade says they've been going to therapy together. That's great. They say they're in a good place. They say the proposal wasn't really a proposal. Okay. Sean just wanted to let her know, like, that he was serious, but he didn't expect an answer. (laughs) Okay. They talk about Miami and she's like, you know, with my mom being medically trained, I thought that would mean that she was on top of everything. Once again, I'm curious about this medical training (laughs) that Chrissy has received. I, I have questions about that. Jade was also she's like, I was just mad at everybody. Everybody did a shitty job. Nobody should have been fighting. It was ridiculous. And she's absolutely right. And once again, they ask if she'll be on stage with Christy and she's like no she won't so Christy comes out and she's crying from the get-go and she says this show has wrecked my family and I think this show has made Jade actually reflect on her relationship with her mom for the first time in her life and that's what Christy doesn't like also like Christy looks like an asshole on tv that probably sucks I mean it's because she is an asshole and acts like an asshole but Nobody wants to look like that on TV. 
nobody wants to be well most people don't want to be hated um so apparently Christy says that she showed up to Jade's house like the Friday before the reunion and just waited for hours for Jade to come home because Jade wouldn't talk to her. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the problem, Christy. <laughs> don't do that. If somebody tells you that they don't want to talk to you, don't show up at their house and force them to try and have a conversation with you. Then they talk about the pills and Christy says they went to 12 pharmacies. Nobody had the pain meds. You're not allowed to call in advance, which I do believe to be true. Um, pharmacy techs don't want to tell people on the phone like what they have in stock when it comes to stuff like that because it's dangerous. Um, that Somebody could come in and try and rob them if they know that you have the pills that they want. I get it. Uh, Drew is like pushing. He's actually pushing Christy on this and he's like, I don't understand why you didn't have the script before surgery. And she was like, well, you know, we didn't get until after. She's doing her Chrissy thing where she talks and like isn't making any sort of a point. And Drew's like, okay, but like we saw them give her the prescription beforehand. And Chrissy goes, oh, you know, you know what? I I think they may have had, you know, I don't remember. (laughs) Okay. Drew's like, okay, so did you apply? apologize to Jade for all of this and Christy goes you know Jade doesn't know what went on and Drew like I said Drew was pretty good in this reunion he says it doesn't matter he's like it kind of doesn't matter what went on Christy gives him a I'm sorry that Jade feels that way and that she feels that I would do that to her and that she feels hurt and Drew's like okay so you need to apologize though because you're the source of her feeling that way and Chrissy pivots right away. I don't know why anybody would think that I would leave her. And Drew goes, because you did. <laughs> oh, snaps her Dr. Drew. Chrissy says that every time she's there, she feels attacked by Drew. And Drew's like, I'm, I'm sorry, but you should be happy that Jade is doing well. And then Chrissy goes, yeah, but you're not a mom. You don't get it. And like, Drew's a dad like he is a parent I think he gets it It, then there's like this thing where Chrissy starts talking about like how they can't have this time back and at any time she could be killed by a drunk driver and then like they would never talk again and it was just like a weirdly specific way to die (laughs) hit by a drunk driver or like you're the drunk driver (laughs) oh god Drew says that Chrissy should look into the camera and tell her how much she loves Jade. Um, Then Jade comes back out or Drew goes, I don't know. Jade comes back out, I guess. I didn't write in my note, but they were either talking backstage or Jade came back out. And Jade said, you know, that went how I expected it to be. And she said that she learned in therapy that she loves and cares for her mom, but her mom is manipulative. She said, you know... I want her to be in my life, but did you hear what she said? Did you hear her say, like, I'm sorry. She's doing the thing where she says she's sorry that I feel that way. And she's sorry that she thinks that. And that's not being sorry. She's like, she doesn't say sorry. And she goes, and then the guilt with the dying thing. Like, why did she bring that up? It's manipulation. I was like, Jade, girlfriend, good job. Like, that. (laughs) that's a a big thing to be able to recognize and like identifying your parent and like take a stand against it. I was really happy to hear her like lay it out so succinctly. Drew's like, well, yeah, that's attic stuff. And Jade is like, yeah. And Drew said, you know, 
your pain is, does she say Chrissy's pain? Is, yeah. He says, you know, her pain is real. Chrissy's pain. And Jake goes, look, I know she's hurting, but I've been without a mother so many times. She's like, I want my mom. I want a mom. She says, I was in foster care and I always wanted my mom. My like my heartbreak for her. Like Jade had a really good reunion. Right now I'm like, Jade's great. I you know I don't think that. I think Jade is a fuck up and fucks a lot of things up. But like emotionally, I feel like this is the best we've seen her. I mean, to be determined on why the fuck she's so with Sean. But and of course they're like, the space has done us amazing. <laughs> I want someone to do a super cut of every time Jade said her and Sean are doing the best they've ever had because of the space they took from one another. Newsflash, you should just take permanent space. <laughs> like, Take permanent space away from one another. Oh my God, they have such an obvious cycle. So I hope that's the next thing that Jade tackles in therapy. But look, I'm proud of Jade for sticking to her guns with Christy and really being able to identify what Christy is doing wrong because I think Jade has unfairly defended Christy a lot in the past. Um, She still doesn't think Christy took the pills and I don't either. Um, She thinks Christy went shopping, (laughs) which is what I think. It just like it just wasn't an emergency to her. She was just fucking around and that's yeah not great. Okay, so finally, Ashley, well, Ashley doesn't come out. They're on Zoom. And Nessa's like, oh, girl, you got engaged. How do you feel? Like, I wanted to see your ring. I'm so sad that you're not here in person. Nessa and Ashley, like, have a really nice rapport with each other. Nessa is good sometimes. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that. Like, uh, Nessa's good when she wants to be, I think. And I think when she's interfacing with somebody that she clearly likes she's enjoyable but like when she's pretending to care about Leah I I don't know I don't know I think she genuinely likes Kale and I think she genuinely likes Ashley and so it's like nice to see her interacting with them um but she's fine right she doesn't take away anything by being there like she doesn't make the reunions worse because that's kind of impossible so um, they bring up the surprise party for Shen and Ashley says that she forgives Shen. Shen just like wasn't in the place to receive that news. Ashley's being really generous <laughs> in this reunion. And Barr comes out and they're like, your fiance's here. And Drew goes, so you had a graduation party? And Ashley says the theme of the graduation party was whatever decade you felt sexiest in. And Ash and I was like, huh? And because Ashley says the early two thousands, and I was like, weren't you a baby in the early two thousands? Then I realized she meant like the clothes of the generation that, or the decade that you feel sexiest in. <laughs> so Drew goes, so you know, did the evening go as planned? Did something affect your ability to travel here? Because remember, the reunion was filmed really shortly after he got arrested. I remember this because. He got arrested. Ashley took all evidence of him off of her Instagram. And then like a day later, Shen posted the outfit that they were wearing for the reunion filming and was like, oh, my God, they're such they're the best couple. And I thought like Shen was putting Ashley on blast, like letting everybody know that they're actually together, even though she kind of made it seem like they broke up after he got arrested, which is 
I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? That she would have graduated in May or June. And that's probably when they filmed this reunion. Yeah, that, I mean, (laughs) timeline that makes sense. And so I guess this happened like a few days beforehand. And this is where I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. And this is not Drew's fault, guys. (laughs) I know people will be like, I don't understand why Drew didn't ask him directly. Because MTV told him not to, clearly. Clearly, he was instructed not to push bar on this. I mean, I I don't know. This is if Drew Drew wants the drama. The stuff that I fucking hate about Drew is when he like makes excuses for shitty men like that. I hate. And sometimes I think he has genuinely dangerous advice when it comes to these girls and their relationships. But when it comes to not pushing them, that's MTV. Like MTV is the one that runs these reunions. Dr. Drew does not watch the show as we have established. He gets cue cards and he reads the questions. And I'm sure they said, look, bring up something happening, but don't push it. So it's just such a silly way to bring this up. He goes, so did, did the evening go as planned? Did something affect your ability to travel here? And they were like, no, the party was good. The party was amazing. And then... <laughs> A whole separate thing happened. And Drew goes, so I want to ask about like the tabloids and what the tabloid says. And Barr goes, no, tell them to stop. We spoke about this. And that's what I mean. Like he obviously told MTV that if they try and bring it up, he's just not going to talk about it. And Ashley's like, calm down, let it go. And Dr. Drew says, so am I right that the attorney told you not to talk about this? And he goes, Bar goes, I don't understand the basis of these questions. Get it together. That, like, enraged me for a moment. (laughs) What the fuck do you mean you don't understand the basis of this question? That's really fucking annoying. I don't know why he just didn't say, like, yeah, I can't. You're right. Yeah, my lawyer said that. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, For him to go to act like he doesn't understand why he's being asked about something when he was arrested for recklessly shooting off a gun mere days before this interview? No. Nope, 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 nope. That's really fucking annoying, especially when they spend the rest of this segment talking about how great Barr is doing and how he is like such a changed person and everybody is great and he's not in trouble anymore and blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, so let's talk about you getting arrested three nights ago. on a fucking gun charge where he's obviously still on probation or still doing whatever with his case because he hasn't served those two weeks yet. So he got arrested. I'm surprised they didn't revoke him. Honestly, he's lucky that he's not sitting in jail because if you I, I wonder if he's still considered out on bail or if he pleaded guilty, but he's in the system and they can lock you up for that, you know, for like multiple offenses while you are on probation or on bail. Like if you're on bail and you get arrested again, they can revoke your bond and you sit and they don't give you bond. Um, That happened to my (laughs) ex-boyfriend. That was upsetting. And if you're on probation, they can take you in for violation. Um, And if you're on probation, they can give you, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, if you're on probation, they can give you what is called your back time, which means that if you had two years of probation and you got arrested with one year, eight months of that done, they could give you all of that time to serve in jail. 
and then finish it like it plus the four months or whatever to make it two years. That's why a lot of people don't like to be on probation uh, for a lot of reasons. It's hard to be on probation. You have to check in with your PO. You can't smoke weed. You have to pay all these fines. But the back time, like theoretically, I don't think they really do it that often. But having that hang on you is heavy for a lot of people. So Barr acting like Mr. Blase about this is ridiculous. Um, Ashley's like, if you don't feel comfortable, and Barr interrupts her and is he's mumbling really hard. I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I like rewound it and tried to listen again. But he says something like, yeah, right. And then he says something about Dr. Drew being bullshit. I swear to God, he's calling Dr. Drew Dr. G. <laughs> It really sounds like he's saying Dr. G every time he says Drew. Um, Then he says, unfortunately, sometimes in certain, sometimes certain people in certain situations don't really want you there. Drew's like, not us, not us. And Barr's like, I know it's not you guys. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Who doesn't want you where? What are you talking about? So then we talk about them as a couple. Ashley says they've been together on and off for six years, but they don't count any off time because they were never off. And I'm like, Ashley, we saw you get a whole other boyfriend. I guess she just fucks bar that whole time, which I mean, when I was in my bar and Ashley relationship, yeah, we would break up and he would like get a new girlfriend or I would start seeing someone, but we would still hook up all the time because we were sick I was sick. We just were like never truly off. So I guess that what she's saying. Once again, all I can think this whole time is Ashley saying this is the only man I'll let treat make me look like a fool. It's all I can think. It's all I can think in these situations. <laughs> oh gosh. So they say that this season was really good from start to finish question mark question mark because we know how the season ended um it was like the first time that they really felt like it was very happy they asked about the monitor that he was wearing he said oh it was just to make sure I'm not drinking and he said you know I was really upset about that well first he says um I had that on because I was trying to fight the case but it was my word versus the cops and you know that didn't work I was like interesting I didn't like, is he saying that he didn't drive drunk? Because Ashley, like, really is like, you did it. Like, Ashley full on is like, you did that shit. So I found that interesting the way that he phrased that. But whatever. Uh, he says that, like, he was upset about it at first. But he is glad because he goes, I was a no, I am addicted. He said, I am addicted to alcohol. And I was like, that's great to hear. I feel like Bart, <laughs> obviously... <laughs> recent arrest aside, Barr has made a lot of progress as far as like understanding that he's an addict or an alcoholic. I think he still has a long way to go into accepting that. Um, Obviously, like he was drunk when he got arrested for that gunshot thing. Like we saw him pounding shots like he was purposely getting super drunk. And if you like are getting super drunk when you drink and then getting arrested, like probably shouldn't drink. I would be very surprised if Barr is ever able, <laughs> ever able to successfully moderate his drinking. I, I just don't think he'll be able to do it. I do think that there are some people that are really able to do it, that spiral out of control for a little bit and then 
they get therapy or take a break or whatever and they're able to moderate but I think there are a lot of people who absolutely are not able to have a sip of alcohol and I think Barr is very much in his phase of where he's trying to beat that like he's trying to prove that that's not true and as I've said before I think Barr would really benefit from AA even though I like I'm not really going to AA anymore um not anti-AA, but like the more I learn about harm reduction and therapy and just shit in my classes and stuff that I'm reading about on my own, the less I uh, believe in the message of AA, I guess. I don't I don't want to say that because AA saved my life. Like I'm sober because of AA. I practice its principles in all my affairs, or at least I fucking try to. Um, I just don't know... Here's I think I'm going to start going to meetings again. I, you know, pandemic and then I've got bored of Zoom meetings. Haven't really been back to in-person ones. I think that I will go back to in-person meetings because I like meetings and I do like AA and I like the program that I practice, but I don't know if I could ever sponsor someone again. Um, I don't know. It's complicated. It's really complicated. I just don't know if I... So, okay, in AA, when you sponsor... Everybody does it different, but the way that I was taught to do it is that you do something called a fourth and a fifth step. And in your fourth step, you write out a lot of your fucking trauma. In your fifth step, you read it to someone. And I don't think I could ever ask somebody to do that again. <laughs> That's not appropriate. Um, it's really triggering. It's not safe. I think it's extremely unsafe to ask people with major trauma to write it all down not under the like guidance of a therapist. Um, I, I think that that is a bad idea. I think that it was a good idea in 1939. Well, I guess it was like 1930. What was it? 34, 35. When did Bob get sober? I don't know when Bob got sober. Just so you know, Bill W is the first one. And then he got with this other guy named Dr. Bob and Dr. Bob got sober and that's how AA started and then they met AA number three I think his name is Jim um and that's and on and on and on and on but the founding of AA is considered the day that Dr. Bob got sober because that was the first time that Bill was successfully able to help somebody after he had spent like a year trying to help people um okay so anyway that's a little history of AA for you uh anyway I think that was really beneficial then because people didn't go to therapy and people didn't talk about their shit. So it was like a chance, a unique chance to be able to open up about your resentments. I think since then it's morphed into something that I don't think I can support. Um, I do not feel equipped to listen to another person's fifth or fourth step. I've done, I don't know, five, six, seven. I've done like a decent amount of them I like listened to a decent amount of fifth steps and they've been fine um but I like they've been they've been good but now the more I learn the more I just don't jive with it and I also like am really moving away from the idea of abstinence for me abstinence is still the way to go I am 100% abstinent from mind-controlling substances, mind-altering substances, (laughs) mind-controlling, mind-altering. I still 100% believe in abstinence for me. I just think it's unrealistic for most people. And I think that a program that 
that's the only option is probably not a fit for a lot of people. I think AA is really good at what it does for the people it works for. And like, that's me. But I think for a lot of people, it doesn't work. And if I had heard somebody say this, and I had heard people say this five years ago, I'd be fucking mad. I'd be really mad. But I think what happens for some people is the longer they stay sober and like the more reflective they're able to get. And I think just now with the conversation around harm reduction changing, that's just like where I'm feeling. But like, as you can hear, like I still, you know, I know a history. I think about things in the book all of the time. Like I really do like deeply believe in the third step prayer. I ask God to relieve me of the bondage of self constantly. <laughs> I don't really believe in God, but it's just like what what's in the third step prayer. I like you know, like I just want to be relieved of the bondage of self. I really believe in that. I believe in honesty. I believe in taking a personal inventory. I believe in making amends immediately when you harm someone, even if it's really fucking hard. Um, I have the brain of somebody in AA. I just don't think that I could sponsor someone in AA again. So I don't really know where that leaves me. And I just, I hope that people listening to this, I don't think I've talked about this on detail on here before. Um, It's kind of like a newish development. But I hope people listen to this, like, don't freak out that I'm like moving away from AA because I really don't feel that way. (laughs) I actually feel really great and confident in my like my life and my sobriety and the way that I'm acting. Not cocky, but I feel good. And I I know how to stay sober and I am staying sober. And I also know that the hand of AA is always there. You know, like anytime I can find a meeting and go to it if I want to and I need to. And I'm glad I exist for that reason. And I really do believe that AA saved my life. I just think at this current time, it's not necessarily for me, but the principles are still so important to me. And like the way of thinking is so important to me. And the spirit of the universe is so important to me. I just see a lot of flaws in it. Um, and I think that's really common for people to get to when they're around my time in sobriety. So, yeah, we'll see, you know. But as <laughs> all that said, bar should go to AA. <laughs> Last time I said this on the podcast, I got a bunch of people who messaged me and were like, you're right. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, yep, yep, yep. And that's why he's not going to go to AA. And I was like, yep. <laughs> because the people that need it most have a hard time getting there. I just think that he could really find community. I think that he would benefit from reading the line that every alcoholic's greatest obsession is that one day they'll drink like a normal person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think the doctor's opinion would really benefit Barr because I think that is what his life is right now. If you don't know, the doctor's opinion is the prelude. Is that the word? The forward? one of them to the big book. It was not in the first book. And a doctor, I can't think of his name right now because my mind is blown. Dr. Silkworth at Towns Hospital wrote it. He is the doctor that Bill Wilson got sober under. And he basically said that he's never seen another cure like AA, blah, blah, blah. Uh, He didn't sign his name because it was controversial at the time, blah, blah, blah. But in the doctor's opinion, it's where they present the disease model and the fact that like alcoholics are allergic to alcohol and cannot drink and that it affects them differently. And 
the doctor's opinion is where um, I think a lot of alcoholics and drug addicts like really identify themselves for the first time. Like they see, they read that and they're like, oh yeah, that is my life. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can relate to that. Um, I think it's a really, really powerful chapter and I think that Barr would really benefit from reading it and I think that he would really benefit from the mentorship of older men. Um, I don't know if Barr's dad is in his life at all. I don't ever really hear him talking about his father. We know that he has multiple brothers that are in jail, including one that he was really close with. So I don't know if Barr has any like adult male mentorship that is helping him through life. And I think one of the best parts of AA is being able to find older people that are like healthy and stable and can help you through life when you don't have that in your family. Like, yeah, not everybody in AA is healthy and stable, but a lot of people are and a lot of people have done the work and they are in a really good place. And like, I don't know if he could like find my dad. As silly as that sounds, like, I think he'd really benefit from talking to my father. (laughs) I've actually, like, sent men when I lived in Florida and people up here would reach out to me occasionally, like, hey, I see you're sober. I need you to get sober. If they were men, I would, like, have my dad call them. (laughs) My dad has a lot of faults, but he, as far as, like, drinking and using in the program, he really is pretty incredible. And... Uh, I also had my mom reach out to women. <laughs> really lucky that way. And I think Barb would really benefit from somebody like my dad who has maintained sobriety and also is like pretty good at life and has a lot of life skills. And my dad has a lot of sponsees and he is really good at like being, I don't want to say he's like a father figure to them, but I think he's really good at helping guide men through situations in which they don't know how to get through. And he's like, his sponsor is like his guiding light in his life. So I think Barr would really benefit from like a sponsorship family and a home group. Is all of this a little too much inside baseball? I just realized I've been talking about A now for like 15 minutes. And I don't know, that's what this podcast is, right? (laughs) Talking about AA. (laughs) This is a team mom podcast that talks about AA a lot. Whatever, you can turn it off if it doesn't, if this doesn't interest you. It's the end of the episode, right? (laughs) This is what we're talking about. But I really do think that Barr would benefit from recognizing that a lot of his problems stem from alcohol. I I do, and I think Ashley would probably benefit from Al-Anon and learning a little bit about what being an alcoholic means. Oh, gosh, I don't even know where we are in this episode. Um... Pastor T. Oh, they talk about how they're going to therapy. They all go to therapy because Dr. Drew says that Barr should go to trauma therapy, which I agree with. I'm surprised Barr or Drew hasn't recommended AA to Barr because I feel like he I mean, Drew's like an old school substance abuse guy as far as I know and is like very pro 12 step. At least he was last time I like listened to something with him. Um, I don't care to do that often. But I know he is supportive and believes in the 12 steps. So I don't, I'm kind of surprised he like didn't mention that to Barr. I don't know, man. I just think like people that are like Barr who don't just have substance use issues, but also have like living life issues really benefit from a structured program. 
like really benefit from a structured program. And that's why it was so good for me because <laughs> I needed life skills. There's a book called Living Sober, which really helps a lot of people um, that are in AA and it's aimed for like literally how you stay sober your first year, like in early days. And my mom always says that was like the most important book to her ever because it was just like she didn't know how to stay sober and it helped. And yeah, I just um, I just think that he would really benefit from it. And I wish that he would explore. And I wish Drew suggested it. And I mean, I'm sure he's been to meetings, honestly, because he's probably been court ordered to them would be my guess. But maybe one day, you know what I mean? The hand of AI is always there, which is the most important and best thing about it, that any time somebody can find a meeting anywhere, <laughs> essentially, you can find a meeting, especially now with online meetings. And so, you know, when when he's ready, they'll be there for him, which is that's why it's like I'm not ever going to sit here and bash AA. I might not personally feel like it's my ministry right now, but like the fact that there is a free program that somebody who is desperate at any time of day can reach out to and you can call the AA hotline at any time and then people like fucking come to your house <laughs> Like they'll physically come over like you can call that at your local AA hotline right now and soon there will be two men or women at your home <laughs> like like these people really care and take it really seriously and I think that is a really beautiful thing and I I hope Barr decides to make that call one day or go to that meeting. Okay um, that's really it. I don't really care about oh well they do talk about the fact that like T says she has some regret sending Ashley to an all-white school because she thinks she, um, like, she was, she thought she was protecting Ashley from racism, but she was maybe just kind of, like, making it worse by deflecting it. I don't know. I would like to hear more about Ashley's experience at the all-white school and, like, did she not experience any racism there? I'm a little curious about that, but, oh, there's one other thing I want to talk about before we go. <laughs> which is Ashley after this episode aired I'm not sure why this came up but she got on Twitter as one does and started to fight so somebody somebody tweeted this wealth Ashley speaks of must be on her daddy's side because we haven't seen it and all white school doesn't equal wealthy and so Ashley quote tweeted it you also mad I wasn't raised poor. My grandparents are extremely wealthy. Unfortunately, due to my decisions to be on Teen Mom, they've chosen not to deal with me anymore. Now, that's not true because Ashley's openly talked about the fact that her grandparents don't talk to her because um, because she was a stripper. Like, she just told the story on Kale's podcast. Here we go. I have it from, like, an article she did. She said... People don't know this, but when I was stripping, I felt so low and I was like, this is who you are. My grandfather is a psychology professor. My grandma was the first black woman to work in major league sports and my family was pro-black, pro-education and me stripping. Oh my God, the hood rat from the hood. My grandparents literally were like, you're out of our will. Good luck, bitch. And when I was stripping, I wasn't even talking to my family and we were in Vegas with his mom and things were crazy and it was Barr who kept me going. Um, so... I don't think they don't talk to her because of her decision to be on Teen Mom. The only thing I can think is that, like, she came back from Vegas and had, like, a very short reconciliation with them and then went on Teen Mom. And they were like, nah, we're done with that. But I think she just, for whatever reason, at this moment, didn't feel like bringing the stripping up. So... 
from there, she says, <sighs> somebody replies, girl, why would anybody be mad that you weren't raised poor? But when you say you're raised wealthy, but used to be a stripper and you nor your parents house gives away wealthy vibes, the people dot dot dot. I can't see the rest because it's quote tweeted. And she says, I was raised mainly by my grandparents. Y'all wouldn't know that because they are not talked about. My grandfather is in the Educational Hall of Fame, and my grandmother was the first African-American woman to work in major league sports. So, yes, I was raised extremely wealthy. Um, And somebody basically was like, we've seen your house. And she says that she grew up in a neighborhood in Kensington, California, which is a wealthy area, which I don't know anything about. One. Uh (laughs) I just want to say a few things about this. Um, what the fuck is the Educational Hall of Fame? <laughs> oh, Ashley, Ashley. Princess talked about this last time she was on, that Ashley brags about money in a way that she doesn't understand makes people realize she doesn't have money. I, I want to phrase that right. Because I, I, Ashley was raised privileged. Like she's talked about the things that she had. She went to private school. They took vacations to Europe. She comes from a line of educated people. Like she is from a well-off family. And I don't, personally, I don't give a fuck if Ashley wants to say she was raised wealthy. Why would I care? Why would I care? Also, it's fucking cool that her grandma was the first black woman to work in um, the major league baseball. That's fucking awesome. She like, she tweeted something about her. Um, which is very, very, very cool. And I would like to know more about that. And I guess her grandfather was a tenured professor at one of the UC colleges. Would love to know more about that. That's super interesting. But I don't personally care if somebody wants to call themselves wealthy. Why Why would I care? When I, There's a lot of classes shit that goes along with judging what Ashley's saying here that I have to personally unpack all of the time because it's things that I learned growing up. And like, I know most people's instinct is to be like, you're not wealthy. But like, who cares? She grew up very privileged. The thing is, Ashley doesn't have the self-awareness or the language. I'm not sure what it is, but she like doesn't have the self-awareness to like explain this correctly in a way that doesn't set people off now it shouldn't set people off but it does and if she got on twitter and was like hey i was raised i was really privileged like i had a lot of privileges growing up and that's because my grandparents were well off and as a result of that like i was afforded a really nice life like that's a true statement um I think the word wealthy is what gets people because wealthy implies something that people do not believe that she is based on her life, (sighs) which, you know, they see Pastor T's house. They see where she lives. Nothing about it screams wealth. They're right. Like nothing about her or her mother's life screams wealth. But also, like, I don't care fine at like what why do we care about the way that people define wealthy why does that matter like when we do that what we're doing I'm about to get into I'm gonna not do a full clash con class consciousness rant right now because I don't think anybody wants to hear it but what we're doing when we're attacking Ashley for saying that and saying like you're not actually wealthy is that we're like upholding bullshit class standards that do not benefit probably 95 98 99 percent of the people listening to this podcast and watching team mom you know what I mean like 
we're not wealthy. Who gives a fuck if Ashley wants to say she was wealthy? I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. I'm not wealthy. It doesn't affect me. Why? Like what? What system do I need to like gatekeep? You can't say you're wealthy. It, it doesn't matter. Um, Ashley, though, I think doesn't realize that she was probably well off in her situation, like compared to the other people around her. And so when she gets on Twitter and she brags about things, she doesn't realize that she's coming off as like, like fake, like she's not, she's lying. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And that sucks. She should figure that out. (laughs) Or she just shouldn't talk about it. Um, But she's really, really insistent on proving her wealth. And it's a useless task. (laughs) First of all, a lot of people just straight never believe it because they're racist and they don't believe black people can be rich. Full stop. That's that's numero uno. Right. Like that's the first thing. Racism and classism totally tied together. It's intersectionality, intersectionality. And I I think that's probably what a lot of people projecting and Ashley are doing. But I also think that like this is full like classes shit because my initial instinct when I read that is like, yeah, you're not wealthy because you're bragging about it. And people who are wealthy don't actually brag about it. But that's not true. <laughs> they brag about it just in ways that we have deemed acceptable and we don't deem the way that Ashley's talking about it acceptable. It's all very stupid. Um, I think I'll wrap it up there. I don't want to I don't want to go too crazy on this. <laughs> I just want to remind people that like gatekeeping wealth doesn't benefit any of us. It sure doesn't benefit me and it probably doesn't benefit you either. And if Ashley wants to say that she grew up wealthy, then so be it. (laughs) All right, guys, with that, I will tune off here. I did not think this would be a long episode, but, you know, spending 35 minutes talking about AA and then class consciousness, I guess does it, you know, I guess it does it. (laughs) Anyway, come join my Patreon. You get access like 115 episodes that I've done in the last year. I fucking love it over there. You'll love it too. Come join us on Patreon if you like feathers in my hair. Honestly, the Patreon is better because I'm talking about things I like. I I get to talk about something exciting every week as opposed to like talking about Team Mom all of the time. I love feathers in my hair and I love I like I'm so not ready to give up feathers in my hair, even though I don't necessarily love Teen Mom anymore. I love this podcast, but I think I'm probably better on the Patreon because I'm talking about things I want to talk about like Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders this week. That show is fucking insane, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Maria is going to do it with me. Okay. With that said, I hope everybody has a lovely week. I hope we all get vaccinated. Go to vaccines.gov <laughs> so we can all get back to normal. And I hope everyone has a good week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.